If you would please turn in your Bibles to chapter 4 of Ephesians. We are looking at verses 17 through 24. Please follow in the reading of the Word of God. So this I say, and I affirm together with the Lord, that you no longer walk as the Gentiles also walk in futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for every kind of practice of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him, And have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that is in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Father, uh, amen and amen. Father, I pray that you will teach us this morning. Father, you will show us, help us, guide us, stabilize us, encourage us, and strengthen us for the tasks that are before us. Father, help us to hear the words of the Apostle Paul and the power of your Holy Spirit for the authority of your everlasting word. Father, we understand what it means to each of us. Put off the old and put on the new. In Christ's name, amen. That's what we're looking at, basically, is off with the old and on with the new. Okay, And we've been looking at it. It's a contrast. The old self, he says, uh, I say and affirm to you together with the Lord. So this is, I'm affirming what the Lord has said, that you... Walk no longer as the Gentiles. And I shared with you that the Gentiles, that refer to people who are non-Jewish and in a spiritual understanding. The the Gentiles were mainly polytheistic and worshipped the God of the moon, stars, dirt, grass, oceans, rain, clouds, winds, whatever they decided Okay, and that's how how they incorporated everything in life was spiritualized under some little deity thing that they had. And he says, I don't want you to do that anymore. And he said that the reason is it's in the futility of their mind. When man starts creating his own religion, he is showing the uselessness of his mind. It's funny. I listen to people a lot that say, you know, I've tried this, I've tried that, I've tried this, and I've decided I'm an atheist. I was like, okay. So you don't believe in nothing. And and yet, if you listen to them and watch them, they have all kinds of things they worship. Okay? And I find that fascinating for people who claim that they don't. It just Go look at the people who are into the climate change movement. The bulk of them are atheists, but they love Mother Earth. And that's, that's, 
And you just sit there and shake your head and you said, Well, that there, ladies and gentlemen, is a useless mind. But you don't say it all the time. Okay? But if you're true to yourself, if you look at your old self, that's the way you were. You had it all figured out. If you didn't have it figured out, you could tell yourself, I'm on the way to figuring it out. All right? And uh, it's just stuff like that you have to get a hold of. Listen, I know where I came from. But you know what? People will look at me and they'll say, well, yeah, but you were in such a bad place. And then you, I just look at you and say, well, that's the futility of your mind. Because I was in the same place you were. Okay? I, I just may have been having more fun than you. I don't know. But I, I see this so often that... People, every child of God at some point in time was a non-believer. And it was through a course of events in our non-believing time that we came unto salvation. And yet I can go back to chapter 1 and say I was saved before the foundations of the earth. All right? And then it makes your little brain go in between your ears. We are have been looking at what was the old man, but now we've been looking at what is the new man. And in light of what is the new man, it gives us a direction on what is to resist of the old man. See, I I look at the old man on every believer as uh, an old suit. The inside of the suit has been changed, but every once in a while we want to put that stinky, old, worn-out, deceived suit on. And, and, and it causes us issues. Because we are to resist that. And the other thing I want us to remember is, I don't want you to walk as the Gentiles. You notice what he didn't say there? I don't want you to run as the Gentiles. The walk with Christ is... A walk. It's one step at a time. And and he, remember I shared with you last week, Romans 7. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will save me from this body of death? Okay, that's not a one-time event. That is a walk. That I'm always dealing with. Oh, wretched man that I am. And we looked at that old man and we contrasted that and we're in the process of contrasting that with the new man. The old man is the futility of mind. If you want to take it back to the Old Testament ecclesiastic, vanity, vanity, the uselessness of our thinking processes. And when we continue in that path, we darken our understanding. We can't see. We don't have the ability to know. That's why uh, I, I, you've heard me say sometimes that salvation is an invasion of the soul by a most holy God. Those that are walking in the futility, the vanity of the mind, the useless of the mind, they are self-centered. And in that self-centeredness, they are ignorant. Look around. People that you see that are very self-centered, note them. 
They're ignorant. They're completely clueless. They can't be taught. You can't, they're not willing to even dialogue about it. That's how far away from the life of God they are. Through that, their hearts are hardened and they become callous. When they become callous, they become shameless. When they become shameless, nothing embarrasses them anymore. Nothing do they feel guilty about. There's nothing guilty about this. I'm living for myself. Why would I feel guilty about it? They uh, give themselves over to sensuality, to their senses. Does it feel good? Does it smell good? Does it look good? Does it sound good? Why? I'm going to give myself over to it. And they practice every kind of impurity. But note that they do it with greediness. They're enthusiastic about it. They're enthusiastic. But he's made the comment, and we looked at these in the last couple of weeks, the walk of the new self is that uh, you didn't learn Christ that way. When you learn Christ, your thinking is changed. Okay, You may not have all the principles right now, depending on where you are in your walk, but your thinking has changed. Because your thinking has changed, your perspective has changed, your character has changed, your nature has changed. And yet, there's still that battle. Because I have been taught Christ. I learned Christ. I sought. I was taught by Christ. Now I know truth. So I can look at anything through the prism of truth now. If you struggle with that, I would say be in church more often. And read your Bible more often. And pray without ceasing. Those are the only ways you're going to get it changed. And it's not the best two out of three. If it's two out of three, he'd only given us two. But that's how we grow. That's how we walk. That's how our thinking processes are changed. They are grown. We are a new creature. We are a new creation. Old things have passed away. But he makes the statement there. We learn Christ. Okay, we learn Christ. We are taught by the person of Christ truth. When you became saved, the process of filling us up with his truth begins. And you know what? Sometimes that's the greatest battle. Because things that you didn't, well, that really wasn't that big a deal. All of a sudden, it's exposed for the sin that it is. And he slowly but surely fills you with truth. I hope that he does it quicker. But what I've seen is that he is faithful and persistent and patient and long-suffering with each and every one of us to fill us with his truth. You now have a morality. You now has a sensitivity to sin. Okay, listen. Don't fall in the snare of the devil. 
we are all sensitive to everybody else's sin. That is not what the context is. You are sensitive to your sin. Let me be sensitive to my sin. You be sensitive to your sin. Okay? And then sin, your sin, your private sin, is a hated thing. There's some things that hang out there. I remember an illustration one time that Dr. McCarthy gave. He had a, a friend of his that was a very, 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 very wealthy person. And they played golf together. And he asked Dr. McCarthy one time if he was praying for his salvation. And, of course, John said, well, yeah, duh. I don't think John said, duh. That's what I would have said. But, uh, but he said, yes, I'm praying for your salvation. He said, well, I really do appreciate it, but I need to tell you something. I don't want to give up all of this. I can have any woman I want, whenever I want. I can come and go as I want. I have a private jet. I have a a chauffeur. I don't want to give that up for salvation. John kind of chuckled and he said, "Uh, you don't give it up. And the guy's like, what? He said, no, you don't give it up. At salvation, all the price tags change. What you used to think was valuable, you realize is not really that valuable. And things that you didn't think were valuable suddenly become very valuable. Okay? And if you're really honest with yourself, isn't that true? What I used to think, wow, man, if I had one of those... Or if you were like me, wow, man, if I had two of those, in case one breaks. There is a sensitivity that you have when you begin filling with truth. As long as you have Christ's truth, you know that it is right. All right? When you have Christ's truth filling you, you know what is right. Now, if you ever get to the point where you're trying to negotiate it, note this, it's wrong. (laughs) If you're trying to rationalize a decision you're getting ready to make, I've had people come to me and say, would you pray for us? And I said, sure, I'll pray for you. I pray, pray that our mortgage goes through so we can get this house. Well, that's a little hard for me. Okay, get your credit score up and you'll get the mortgage. Okay, but praying for divine intervention in a house means that God just gave me a house. Okay, and they got no payments on it or anything like that. Thank you, Lord. Now, I know a couple of pastors that I know personally that has happened. I don't happen to be on that list, but I have seen guys who have the fellowship was so overwhelmed with what was going on that here, we'll give you a house. And you're like, wow, can I have your old one? <laughs> no. So I couldn't even talk a pastor out of a suit once. So anyway, it was a nice suit. One of them silk pinstripe suits. Whoa. That costs more than I make in a year. But we become sensitive to this. And as long as Christ, now please hear what I'm saying on this. As long as Christ's truth is in you. Okay, I don't need your truth. Okay, you don't need my truth. 
Christ's truth, then you will know what is right. If I know what is right, you know what that means? I know what is wrong. All right? Then, if you back up, instead of having that reprobate mind, remember, that useless mind, verse 18, you have verse 23. Verse 23, a renewed in the spirit of your what? Your mind. You know, one of the things that I am watching in Christendom right now is nobody understands what that means. Okay? If they do, then they're ignoring it. All right? Because it is the renewing of my mind with the truth of Jesus Christ that helps me walk. Because as you think is how you act. All right? When you became a believer in Jesus Christ, the process of filling your pea brain with new truth began. And the actions you, each and every one of you, I hope each and every one of you, go through the process of evaluating, have I changed? My nature, has my nature changed? Has my character changed? I serve the Lord's table twice a year. I do it on the first Sunday in June and the first Sunday of the year. Okay, first Sunday of the year makes sense, right? First Sunday in June is when I took over as pastor. All right? So I do that because that allows me a moment. Actually, before that Sunday shows up, I spend time evaluating myself personally. Have I changed in my nature and my character over the last 360 days? When June comes, have I changed in my nature and my character since I have become the pastor? Now, I do it on an every monthly basis when I just evaluate. 30 days ago, I partake of the Lord's table. Do I feel like I have progressed to the upward calling of Jesus Christ, pressing on for His glory? Which means, did I fill up my little bucket in between my ears? Because, see, I know intimately, experientially, and theologically, oh, wretched man I am, who will save me from this body of death? And I know that is a moment-by-moment struggle. Right? Or are you guys all arising? I'm catching up. Well, I'm hot on your heels. Run, baby, run, because here I come. But you see what I'm trying to get at? It is our thinking processes. You can be a, a giving person. You can be a charitable person. You can, you know, be a concerned person and all the rest of it. But you know what? If you're doing it in the futility of your mind, what are you? Lost. You can be the nicest person to ever walk the planet. But if you're doing it in the futility of your mind, guess what? You're going to hell. And there's no... Plan B. But that's a nice hellbound person. And yet, how many are we surrounded by them that way? 
we are a new creation because we have been renewed in the spirit of our mind. You know, this new creation, did you know that it's nothing like the old? Absolutely nothing like the old. Go back to my illustration that I heard. The price tags have all been changed. Doesn't really mean nothing. Right? It's not important to me anymore. It's it's the Apostle Paul in Second Corinthians said, I have learned the secret of contentment. Do you see that? That's the secret of contentment right there? The renewing of my mind. You know, I uh, you remember those little bracelets, WWJD. What would Jesus do? I always thought that was kind of weird because Jesus could raise the dead, and uh, I'm not really good at that. Okay, uh, he could make the blind to see. I'm I'm not really good at that either. Okay, so I started looking at it from this perspective. Walking with Jesus daily. Instead of walking for me, um, our youngest son is not saved. And I remember talking to him. I think it was in between one of his deployments. And he, uh, we were sitting there talking and I was having a conflict with his older brother. And uh, he came up to me and he said, well, you know, I, I just can't agree with the way he's treating you. And I said, Josh, it doesn't matter. I said, you know, uh, you should have seen me before Christ. Uh, no, maybe you shouldn't have. Okay. And uh, he said, you know, I, I understand the arguments on both sides. I was like, Josh, I'm not sure you do, but I, I appreciate your, your input. He said, but dad, all I know is that right now I'm living for myself. And I said, Josh, you're smarter than 99% of humanity because you at least know that you are living for yourself. Most of humanity is living for themselves but tell you that they really love you. As long as you do for me, we shall always be friends. That is not Christ. Christ says, here I am, period. Listen, as a Christian, God gives you and me a new mind. We have a new nature. So my people ask me, I have an old friend, I don't, some of you don't know, but he was the best man in my wedding. He's, uh, he's partying with Jesus now. We had a Bible study, used to have a Bible study at my house. Well, actually, it was just me and him on Thursday nights at my house, and he'd come by. And he says, how can I know for sure that I'm saved? At that time, we were going through First Thessalonians. I said, it's right here. The Spirit, Spirit bears witness with mine that I am a child of God. But what does that mean? How, 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 how does that mean? I said, and we go back. <laughs> we go way back in the B.C. time. And um, I said, our nature changed. We ain't the same people. 
we're not the same people. The things that we used to thrive on, we don't do. I had an old friend that, uh, he came to salvation about the same time. He ran a brothel. I won't explain to you what that is. It's a place they hang curtains. But anyway, he ran a brothel. He dealt with uh, stolen merchandise. And uh, we met one day to have lunch together. And he's asked me how I was going. I was, I was taking a whooping at the time. I was in construction and was losing everything. It was just going down the toilet. He said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, what's that? He says, do you remember before Christ? I said, yeah, I remember before Christ. And he said, do you remember the time you would sacrifice for what would pleasure you? I said, yeah. He says, how many times you would go completely without sleeping so that you could continue on whatever foolishness you were doing? I said, yeah. He says, you ever thought about doing that for Christ? You're like, what? (laughs) Are you out of your mind? But that always stuck with me. The sacrifices that I used to do physically for myself, am I willing to do those same sacrifices for my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Thinking about the sacrifice that he did for us. See how your mind changes? Everything that, well, you know, I had this all figured out and why am I going to prison? (laughs) Okay? Now that I've gotten past that, all right, our responsibilities as believers in Jesus Christ is to fill up that new mind with new stuff. People say, well, how do you study? Read it. Just read it. And then go back to what my buddy told me. Am I willing to sacrifice my early mornings so I can read it? So that my mind can have new stuff in it? So when I step out the door, here we go, world. Am I willing to sacrifice that? See the difference? That is the renewed mind. Have you ever seen an infant? That is like a brand new, fresh, unwritten plate. There's nothing there. But have you ever watched them? And as they get progressing, you know, oh, I can't wait for it to roll over. And then I can't wait for it to roll back. And I can't wait for it to crawl. And I can't wait for it to run. Then I because they don't walk. Everybody keeps saying, I go on it to walk. Yeah, I ain't never seen a baby walk. They're up and gone. Okay, but anyway, I can't wait for it to, you know why? Everything is new and low. Look, 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 look. That's what you and me should be as children of God. Oh, look. Ooh, 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 ooh. That's neat. I want two. Okay? Do you see what I'm trying to get at? When I think about a kid, their minds are trying to, they're untouched, and they are just absorbing everything they can get. I mean, think about it. Don't touch it. That's That's hot. They don't know what hot is. That's an interesting concept. I don't know what hot is. What the heck do you mean it's hot? You will learn. <laughs> Christian, you are entering into God's kingdom. Right now. Right now. 
And you are given a fresh new mind. And we need to build the right things into that mind. And it takes time. I mean, even some of you were raised in the church. All right. Truth of the matter is, so what? I mean, I'm not trying to belittle you, but so what? You were raised in the church. All right. The thing is, what was taken in during that time? That's the issue. That, you know, it's, it's like if you talk to people right now and he says, well, can you explain to me your theology? You get this glazed look over their eye. Oh, theology. That's what the pastor does. No, it ain't. Well, not in this town, but it should be the responsibility of every new believer. I want to know more about God. That's theology. That's doctrine. That's how we are protected. Romans. Remember this? Chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as living and holy sacrifices acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. I've had people who called before when I was feeling my oats, and they said, well, what type of worship do you have? I said, living sacrifice. What? (laughs) Yeah, sign up. But listen to what he says next. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? How do I stay out of being pressed into the world's mold? Renew your mind. Listen, all you have to do is read. He gave you 66 love letters. Read them. You don't have, well, how do you exegete? I don't even know what that means. Read it. I first got saved. The pastor told me, I said, what do I do now? I got baptized. I said, what do I do now? He says, read John. Okay. So I've tried to figure out, why does he want me to read in the middle of the Bible? So, so I read it about four times. I said, well, I don't know about this pastor, dude. But that seems kind of stupid to me. I mean, I understand if you want to read the beginning of the book and the last of the book. That sounds cool. Okay, but why would you start in the middle of the book? So at that time, I began reading through the Bible. Started at Genesis and cruised through. I thought, well, that was kind of interesting. And I don't know how many times I've done that since. All right? Read it. I want you. I beseech you. I pray for you that you don't get pressed into the world's mold. That's why I do what I do. I want to come out here and bring you wheelbarrows full of theology and just dump it. And then tomorrow morning I shall begin filling the wheelbarrow again. And I will bring it back out here and I will dump it next week. Why? Because I want my heart's desire that you don't get pressed into the world's mold. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. 
Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, what does he say do? Think on these things. Now listen, if the truth of Christ is in you and he is teaching you, then guess what? You know what is true. You know what is honorable. You know what is right. You know what is pure. You know what is lovely. You know what is of good repute. You know what is excellent. You know what is worthy of praise. Therefore, I should... Think on these things. Why? Go back to your text. Somebody stole Ephesians while I wasn't looking. Here we go. Renewing the spirit of your mind, verse 24. Put on a new self. Okay. What is the new self? The likeness of? Ooh, what? Put out a new self. What does it look like? Anybody want to try to do a spiritual yoga thing to make that fit? What does it say? In the likeness of who? Has been created. Remember I told you it was a new creation? And righteousness and holiness of what? truth okay righteousness cute word we throw it around pretty regularly and we haven't usually very any clue what it means righteousness means right standing with god okay right standing with god it's that's one of those words when i think about it say you pray in jesus name you've heard that I'm praying in Jesus' name. Okay, if you say that, what you're saying is, what I just prayed, Jesus wants. Okay, I I don't know about you, but that really thins down prayers. Okay, to be able to go before the throne of God saying, what I am petitioning, this is what Jesus wants. Okay, that makes my prayer life. All right. So, righteousness means it is right standing before God. God would look at it and would be well pleased. Okay? Holiness, okay? Holiness means set apart. It's set apart. Okay? We just looked at 12.2 of Romans, and it says, don't be pressed into the world's mold. So if it's in holiness, then I can know emphatically that it's not in the world's mold. How do I know this? End of the verse. It's in truth. I read what this book says. That is truth. Then I know if it is right. And I know if it is true. One of the things that you know just amazed me when I've traveled internationally. You read the Bible to them and it's amen. It's astonishing. I mean, it is flat out Astonishing. You read the Bible in an American church, they're trying to figure out what, what, what was really meant by it. 
this thing was written for an eighth grade education. It means what it says. The issue is, is how can I make it fit my lifestyle? Oh, because you have been pressed into the world's mold, that might hurt. Whenever I read something in Scripture and it offends me, I know that it's working. And I know the issue is not this book, it is me. You are holy because you have a renewed mind. Do you realize that you no longer have a mind that is useless? When you let Christ think through you, you'll possess Christ's standard of truth. It's uh, in my job. I have several different. It's a it's a a painter's palette of spiritual gifts that make me into the person that I am for the purpose that God has for me. One of the things that I fight against, and it has been one of the gifts that sort of keeps to getting bigger and bigger and bigger as I am exposed more and more to theology, is discernment. Okay? And what I found is that my discernment makes a lot of people uncomfortable and even sometimes angry. Okay? And it's fascinating to me because i got to be honest with you, I did not stand up in line and say, God, can I have a, a bucket of discernment, please? But one of the things that I've learned is the more I look at this book, you get discernment. It'd be on different levels for however you're ministering in the body of Christ. But my discernment has protected me. Now, some people say, well, you're very crass about it. You're very blunt about it. You should try it with a little more kindness about it. And you know what? I can't. Why? Because discernment is such a vague commodity now. When anybody's got a little bit, it's offensive. Well, what if you hurt their feelings? Well, it's better than condemning them to hell. Well, that's discernment. Well, couldn't you say it another way? Do you like to smell of sulfur? How about an outside order of brimstone? Yen? See? That's just a personal illustration. But when I look at this and I think, okay, we have a new self in the likeness of God that is created in righteousness and holiness of the what? Truth. Of the truth. That means that your brain and my brain is no longer useless. It's no longer reprobate. When you let Christ think through you, listen, think about it. Truth, truth will give you judgment of sin. Do you know that? Truth, that truth will renew your mind. Now keep this thing on a personal place. I don't need you to run around well, I'm believing that I'm sensing a whole bunch of sin here. That's not what I'm talking about. 
I'm talking about I can look at situations in my life and how I'm dealing with it. Is this sinful or is this God glorifying? Is this righteous? Is this holy? That truth will renew your mind. And that truth is the kind that pleases God. What kind is that? Righteousness and holiness. I am no longer self-centered. I am no longer shameless. I am no longer ignorant. I am no longer greedy. I'm no longer of an unclean mind. I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of righteousness. I have a mind of holiness. When that is true, now listen to me. This is building to a crescendo. When that is true, that your mind is in the likeness of God in righteousness and holiness. Guess what? That's how you will live. Every one of you, your actions speak of the condition of your mind. Paul tells us we are to be renewed in the spirit of our what? Mind. That is putting on the new man. It's a new mind. It's a new thinking process. That thinking process results in righteousness. That thinking process results in holiness. So let me summarize this message in this section. Paul's message to you and me. Okay? Summarize in two verses. Verse 22 and verse 24. What does 22 say? Get aside the old self. Okay. 24. Put on the new. Put on the new. Listen, our outward action is based on an inward reality. Go look at churches today. What do you see? This, I believe, is one of the greatest deceptions in the modern church today. There's not a renewed mind. When you came to the Lord Jesus Christ, you came and said, I am a sinner. I forsake it. You came as a member of the world. I forsake it. Yet... Now this new creation has a battle. Oh, wretched man that I am, Romans 7. You know, one of the things that I see in the body of Christ in this country, in the name of freedom or whatever you want to call it, it's a shame that Satan dangles the world. Remember what I shared with you? The world lays in the lap of who? Satan, the father of lies. He dangles the world. He dangles sin in front of us. Every day. Every day. And you know what? Every once in a while we look at it and think, look, a shiny bobble. And we grab a hold of it. Paul says, don't do that. Put it off. 
Put it off. Listen, brothers and sisters, you and I are living testimonies that the old has no benefit. You can't look back on your old life before Christ and say, well, that was a benefit. It brought me more peace than I even knew how to spell. When did that happen? The old life didn't ever bring me anxiety. Never. It brought me everything I ever, oh yeah, everything I desire is right there. Right? That's the old self. What was its benefit? I remember the president was at a black church when he was running for the office. And he's standing in front of the church and he was doing his, you know how he is. And I remember him making a statement and I thought, da-da. He said, he looks at this black congregation. He says, what do you have to lose? I thought, man. Talk about punching somebody in the solar plexus. But then I look at Christianity and I ask this question. What do you have to gain by putting on the new self? Oh, that would be eternal life. That was a peace that surpasses understanding, a joy that cannot be stolen, a love that is supernatural. I have patience and long suffering in all situations with all people. I have a life that is wrapped up in Jesus Christ that cannot be touched. And guess what? I fear not death. I fear not death. And actually, sometimes I look forward to it. These weather change things. My knees and elbows start yelling at me. I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready. When did the world ever offer you? The world always offers it. When did it ever deliver it? Paul says, put that off. The old has no benefit. Put on Christ. Put on Christ's holiness. Put on Christ's righteousness. All of it in the truth. And he is truth. The world, look around. It promises you everything. When has it ever delivered? Christ has put me on. And listen, brothers and sisters, it's all in your thinking. If I sit and let the world dangle out in front of me all the time, what does it do to your thinking? It becomes corrupt. And it becomes deceived. Listen, as I already made a note, this is not a one-time thing. This is a day-to-day. I remember uh, reading about John Calvin in the 1500s. And I was looking at what his life was, his weekly. This is what his weekly life was. And you're sitting there going, okay, because he was in the... He was translating scriptures into English, okay, for people who wanted an English Bible. Okay, I seen one that he gave to John Knox that he had translated. Now, here's the thing. The 1500s, what printing press did he use? 
Right. Pins. Okay. All right. He preached three sermons on Sundays. He taught on the seminary Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. He met with people on Friday and do, did what they call what we would call an evangelistic services on Saturday. The whole time his wife died, and he had to take care of his two kids. His brother was a drunk, and so he inherited his two kids. Okay, and he had a, a a terrible, terrible problem with kidney stones. And at that time, if you had kidney stones, you were to drink milk. And if you know anything about it now, that's not a good plan. Okay, but he would drink milk. Okay, that's what he did week in and week out. Okay, now his mindset was, if I had a busy day, and I'm sitting there going, what? And this is what he said. He said, if I had a busy day and I knew I had a lot, he says, I had to have my time. He usually started his days at 3 a.m. If I had a busy day, I would have to start at 1 a.m. so I could have my communion with the Lord. Okay? (laughs) And then you try to figure out, what must his electric bill have been like? I don't know, what was his candle bill? See what I'm trying to get at? That is that renewing of your mind. Why? I'm getting ready to stick my face into Satan's lair. I had better have my little old bean head straight on. Okay? It's not a one-time thing. Something that we have to do every day. Okay, what are our resources? Quickly, one... The Word, Psalm 19, the Word of God will perfect the soul. Wow. 2 Timothy chapter 3, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, to make the servant of God adequate for every good work. Okay, I like the word correction and reproof. Oops. I thought I was supposed to go right and I should have gone left. It will correct you. It will, you expose yourself to the Word of God. It comes in through your head, through your mind. That will help you deal with your sinfulness and the world. The Word will reprove you, exhort you, correct you, teach you. Secondly, Prayer. Remember what 1 John said? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. In prayer, we are the ones confessing our sins. Guess what? We are the ones being forgiven. That's prayer. Let the Word expose it. Let prayer cleanse it. People ask me, what what is your... Besides the Word of God, what is your favorite, what is your most precious tool in the study of God's Word? Prayer. I have the author living in me. Help me. I pray before I read. I prayed while I read. I prayed after I read. Listen, brothers and sisters, God never lowered the standard. Okay? The standard of His holiness, the standard of His righteousness has been consistent before creation and after creation. 
But he has given us his word. He has given us his spirit. And guess what? Thirdly, the body. Remember the body? Remember that when we were looking at that? He has given gifts to every believer. What else did he give? Gifted men. Gifted men. So I have the word. I have prayer. I have his body, his church, and the power of his spirit. And we also know that it will help us meet God's standard. I don't have to compromise the church to make it righteous. I don't have to compromise the standard to make it holy. I don't have to let the world tell me how I ought to do this. Listen, brothers and sisters, in my 35, 36 years of walking with the king, there's one absolute I am absolutely convinced of. His standards have never shifted. And I'm glad. I don't do those head ducks very well. So remember, we're going to go into a new section next week. It's your mind. It's your thinking processes. Please understand that. It isn't, well, I wonder what you're thinking about this, or I wonder what you're thinking about this, because that's what's killing the church right now. You know what? Every one of you have an opinion. I love you. I don't care. I want God's opinion. When I get to heaven, I want to hear Ed Young say, Well done, true and faithful servant. I want to hear my king say, Well done, true and faithful servant. That's why my passion is you guys don't get pushed into the world's mold. So renew your mind. Renew your mind. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, the author and the finisher. Father, I understand Paul quite easily. I'm an old wretched man that I am who will save me from this life of death. Father, help us to learn more of you. Help us to let you control our thinkings. Help us to be taught by you. Help us to be sensitive to our own personal sins. And Father, help us to understand we have been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth in the likeness of God our Father. Lord, what a blessing. Thank you so much. In Christ's name, amen.